to we are in week two of this, <laughs> of this series that I actually don't know when it's going to end. Um, because we're just going through it like a small, just country drive, verse by verse. And now we don't spend one verse a week. Um, actually, and if you want to get your copy of God's Word, either printed copy or, or digital copy, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. So if you want to get your, your, uh, your, your Bible, get it ready for that. We'll have it on the screen as well. But um, So this is week two of that. And last week, we t- uh, before we introduced Jesus, uh, which basically the gospel of Mark is about the life of Jesus, and specifically about the person and purpose of Jesus. And before we introduced Jesus, we actually introduced the person who made the way for Jesus, who paved the way, and that's John the Baptist, and that's actually the cousin of Jesus. And uh, John the Baptist actually, he pulled people um, and called people out into the wilderness. He didn't really go in the street corners uh, in the cities. He called them out. Word spread uh, about John. Hey, check out this guy who eats locusts and honey, and, uh, and he's calling people out into the wilderness. And, um, and why the wilderness? So we're actually going to talk even more about this in today's message. But the, the reason why the wilderness is because the Jewish people knew and understood that the wilderness is where you meet God. It's all over the Old Testament. It's the children of Israel, they were brought up to the wilderness, and, uh, and all of these examples in, in God's word. And the reason why is because the wilderness is where you grow in your faith. It's where you grow in your faith. And so, but John also introduced something that had never been done before, and that was this sort of ceremonial cleansing that is done by another person. So the Old Testament, the law, is, is all filled with these ceremonial cleansing things that, that you've got to do. You got to wash your hands, you know, and 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 other things. You got to wash your body if you if you uh, if you're around anything or touch anything that's unclean. There's some ceremonial cleaning things you got to do that. But the interesting thing is, the law states that that you have to do that. That's something you do. Okay, no one else cleanses you for that. Okay, and uh, but John introduces something that is different from that. It's baptism, and someone else baptizes you. You don't baptize yourself. And so for the first time, we're introducing this idea that, hey, you can't cleanse yourself. You can't cleanse yourself. You can only be cleansed with the help of somebody else, and ultimately by God the Father through Jesus Christ. And so John was introducing this concept and so following Jesus is not a, a do-it-yourself religion when you, where you try to make sure things are good and make sure you're, you're cleansed and make sure you're holy enough and righteous enough before you can come to church, okay? If you're waiting for you to be clean enough or righteous enough or fixed before you can come to church, you're never going to come to church. You're just not. You got to come dirty, okay? You got to come broken. You've got to come weary. You've got to come lost, And as a church, we need to welcome all of those who feel that way. So we're going to continue in this uh, this series with Mark and the gospel of Mark. And so we're going to um, check into not only how John baptizes, but that Jesus 
got baptized. So if you look at uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, and it says this, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. That's the river. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So this baptism of Jesus is actually going to start something. It's actually going to start his ministry. And one of the things that Jesus does, Jesus gives us two ordinances in scripture, two things that we must, that we must do. Now there's lots of things that the Bible, you know, tells us to do, but, but Jesus introduces two new things in the New Testament, okay? One is communion, and we, we, we will see that later on in the book of Mark, sharing communion, Lord's Supper, and the other is baptism, And it's interesting, Jesus calls us to do those things, and he himself has done those. So he's not asking us to do something that he is not willing to do himself. Now, Jesus didn't need to get baptized. I mean, he's the son of God. But he was baptized to show, yes, this is so important, I am getting baptized. And what that does, it shows submission And as we saw there, the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice from heaven calling out, this is my son. And it literally launched his ministry. And so his baptism is symbolic of what he was going to do, what he was going to experience as he was lowered down and raised to new life. In fact, we see this. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 5. Oh, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Okay? We were buried. He's like our old self buried into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been unified with him in death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. It's symbolic. A lot of symbolism going on in God's word. Paul also writes in Colossians chapter 2 verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Last week, we had three people get baptized last week. They went through this symbolic, life-changing experience to show, hey, I've, I've been identified with Jesus by having my old self buried and raised to new life and have a new life in Christ. And so that's what baptism is about. Now, I get, I get this question all the time. Um, does a person have to be baptized in order to go to heaven? Well, the short answer is no. But the relationship between salvation and baptism is the same as salvation and obedience. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit inside you will draw you to a life 
of obedience. And if you are saved, you will want to be baptized because of obedience to Christ. Christ got baptized. He's calling you into being, uh, to be baptized into a new life. So getting baptized is at the basic level of discipleship. And then when Jesus is baptized, a voice from heaven came out. This is my son on whom I am very well pleased. And that was the start of his ministry. Now, I didn't hear any voices last week when people were baptized, okay? But I can tell you this. I know that God the Father is looking down on them with just joy. And the angels in heaven are rejoicing because a soul has surrendered themselves to Jesus and have invited him to be Lord and Savior of their life. And they've shown it through baptism, through the obedience of that. And if you've never been baptized before, I would encourage you to be baptized. To be baptized. Don't let anything stop you from that. And I know most of you have been baptized. In fact, it's really interesting. Um, a few weeks ago, I, I asked our, our, uh, our youth uh, uh, several weeks ago on a Wednesday night, how many of you have been, uh, that I baptized? And like 10 kids raised their hand. I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. And so I just kind of forget that, you know, so many of those kids I, I baptized and I love it. And so kids and students are even surrendering their life to Christ. You know, if I, when I was baptized, I was actually baptized at age 10. And if I heard a voice from, from, from heaven uh, telling me, this is the son I'm well pleased, and, and everybody heard this voice, then, man, I'd be celebrating. It's like, man, I'm going to start a ministry, even at age 10. We're going to go, uh, I'm going to go out and celebrate. I'm going to go out to dinner, invite my, invite my family. I'm going to surround myself with people. I can start my ministry, and we're off and running. And you would think that that's what Jesus would do. I mean, if a dove came down and a spirit kind of like a dove and a voice from heaven and people heard it, and man, it's like Jesus would have started his ministry. Man, he should have been there. I heard the voice. Did you hear the voice? Yeah, I heard the voice. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't start his ministry from there. Let's see how his ministry started. Look at the next verses in Mark chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. At once, the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended to him. So Jesus went out into the wilderness. There's that word again, wilderness. Just as John was calling people out into the wilderness. The wilderness, as a reminder, is a place where we meet God. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus, the Spirit, led him to the wilderness to fast for 40 days and to meet with God. Now, the, the writers of the Gospel of, of John and Luke, they actually go to m more information on more of the temptations that Jesus faced and the conversations that, that Jesus had with Satan. And it's very interesting. You, could, you can go and read that account for, for yourself. But Mark focuses on something different. Mark is focusing on the wilderness. He's focusing on the wilderness. The word wilderness refers to a dry, barren, desolate place. A dry, barren, and desolate place. We talked earlier, and even last week, about 
the wilderness. We can often go through seasons of, of dry and barren relationships, finances, marriage, health, and so on. And so the question is, what does God want to do in your season of wilderness? What does God want to do in your season of wilderness? And let me tell you, you may say, well, Pastor Frank, how did we get to the wilderness? How do I know if I'm in the wilderness? Well, when, when things just, things are dry and barren, and maybe there's some loneliness or maybe things just aren't going right. And we can get in the wilderness, I think we can get in the wilderness in three, in three ways. We can get in the wilderness through our own decisions. We can. If we make certain financial decisions, bad decisions, we could find ourselves in the wilderness. If we make bad health decisions, we could find ourselves in the wilderness. And I found myself in the wilderness health-wise in the past because I didn't eat right. And, and so I found myself in the wilderness of like, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't do things. I was limited. I had to cancel meetings. There was even some Sundays I was going to preach and I couldn't preach. And I had to walk away. Crazy. Why? Because I put myself in the wilderness by my own decisions. You could find yourself in the wilderness of certain relationships, marriages, by decisions. Another way to get into the wilderness is just, just general disruptions. Disruptions in your life. You, you go, if you go to work one day and all of a sudden your boss says, hey, we don't need you anymore. That's a disruption. That is a disruption. And it can easily put you into the wilderness. Especially even a financial wilderness. You could get a bad health diagnosis. And it could put you into the wilderness of questions, of despair, of anxiety. Put you in that wilderness. So you can get into the wilderness through a decision you have made, you know, intentional decision, a disruption, things that it really is even beyond your control, okay? A disruption. And so it can happen. And then the third way I find us in the wilderness is direction. God can direct you into the wilderness. And they may say, well, Pastor Frank, why would God lead me into the wilderness? Why would he direct me into the wilderness? First of all, he led Jesus into the wilderness. He led the children of Israelites into the wilderness. Sometimes, many times, if God wants to grow your faith, he will direct you into the wilderness. He will. And we even see that in, that's basically when a, a time of fasting if God is calling you into a season of fasting, he is bringing you into the wilderness. Say if God is calling you to a season of, of fasting from social media or fasting from eating certain foods or whatever. You know, so you, he's basically taking you into this world that you're consumed by 
And he's placing you outside of that world into this sort of dry, desolate place where you're not looking at that anymore. You're not depending on this anymore. You're depending on God the Father, and you're growing in him. Now, I know that sort of social media fasts and those kind of fasts, yet he, he, could, he could speak through that as, as he brings you out into this wilderness. And I know that might be sort of a, a, a simple example, but there's even some heavier Examples where God will bring you through the wilderness even when you're walking in obedience. Even when you're walking in obedience. Jesus wasn't walking in obedience, in disobedience. He was walking in full obedience, getting baptized. And what did God do? What did the Holy Spirit do? Let him. He was drawn. He was driven, the Bible says. He was driven to the wilderness. Even when you are doing what God wants you to do. Maybe you're spending time with him. You're serving. You're, you're telling others about him. You're, you're giving. All of this, God can say, hey, uh, I want to grow your faith. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to do this. And it is a very difficult thing to do. And God could drive you into that wilderness. He could direct you into that wilderness. But can I tell you something? That's a good thing. It's a good thing. Let's take, for example, let's say if God's like, you know, I want, to, I want you to honor me with your, with your body, with your life, just like it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I want your body to be a living sacrifice. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I, wanna, I, I, am, I am directing you into changing your lifestyle, your dietary need, whatever it is. It's just for an example. And that's not a fun place to be. It's not. It is not a fun place to be. But guess what? God is directing you there. Why? Because he wants to grow and grow your faith and he wants you to be empowered and wants you and your life to be a living sacrifice as a temple of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this a few weeks ago with giving. You know, there could be, there could be people here who give a full tithe. You give 10%. But God's like, you know what? I'm gonna grow your faith. I don't want you to just give from your, from your net income. I want you to give from your gross income before taxes are taken out, before Social Security is taken out, before your insurance is taken out. You know? Or God could, could say, you know what? I'm, and I've got friends who, who who've God, has, God has said this, and they've walked in obedience. I don't want you to give 10%. I want you to give 11% this year. And guess what? I want you to give 12% the next year. And I want you to give 13% the next year. And, and I'm not telling you that's what God's telling you to do. But God will direct people into the wilderness. Because look, you, there could be people, they depend on their own finances. And God's like, I want you to depend upon me. And I've got friends that... They're giving up their 50%. Why? God has led them to the wilderness. But in the wilderness, guess what? They're experiencing God. 
It could be people like maybe you don't give at all. Maybe you give 1% or you just give a portion. And God's like, you know what? A tithe is 10%. I want you to give 10%. And guess what? That's difficult. It's the wilderness. It's not fun. But God said, trust in me. Trust me and know that I'm going to show you incredible, incredible things. And there's, there's lots of things you could, you could tie into that. You could, you could tie into that, whether it be, you know, money or health or marriages or relationships or that kind of stuff. God will direct you into the wilderness. Why? To encourage you and to grow in your faith. And I'm telling you, it's not fun. We're not, hey, whoopee, we're going into the wilderness. No. But I just, I want to make sure you understand that decisions we make can lead us into the wilderness. Disruptions in life can lead us into the wilderness. And God can direct us into the wilderness. But it doesn't matter what happens is God is there. You are not alone. God is with you. So I'm going to give you four principles that when we find ourselves in the wilderness, and we actually see these in, uh, in, in Scripture and in this passage. So first of all, the wilderness has purpose. The wilderness has purpose. God has a plan. Jesus did not go into the wilderness by accident. He did not stumble into the wilderness. It was for a purpose. The nation of Israel, okay? When God led the nation of Israel... To the wilderness. Did you know that there was a quicker way from, from Egypt to the promised land? There was. There was a quicker way. If they opened up Google Maps, Google Maps would show them right there. But guess what? God didn't take them that way. He took them around a different way. The long way through what? The wilderness. The wilderness. It wasn't by accident that they just got lost in the wilderness. No, God directed them. Why? Because he had some work to do in them before they were ready for the promised land. It could be that God is directing you into the wilderness. Why? To prepare you for something he has for you. After the children of Israel were in the wilderness... And even after 40 years in the wilderness, they had a new generation of fighting Israelites who were ready, trained, and hungry, hungry for what God had for them. And God had changed them. God changed them. They were like a new nation. They were ready. When we are in the wilderness, we are strengthened by faith, and the things that kept us slaves in sin, just like the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. The things that kept them slaves and the things that keep us slaves in sin are released. That's one reason why we fast. We went through that 21-day fast. It's a, it's a way that God brings us into the this, this wilderness, directs us into the wilderness, and he helps us to understand that, look, I want to change you. I want to do something in you. I want to get you ready for something good. And guess what? I want to remove some junk in your life that you've just been accumulating. That's why we go through the wilderness. I want you to let go of some things, release some things. So what does God want you to do in your wilderness? Maybe remove some idols in your life, some things you hold on to. Maybe to build trust 
in him? To, to get your heart aligned with his? Yes? To fill you up with his, his power and anointing? I believe that, as I shared last week, last couple of weeks, I believe that God is leading our church into the wilderness. And it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. In other words, it's another way of saying this. God is stretching us, and God wants to mature us as a church. We've gone through our first 10 years. In the next 10 years, God wants to get us ready for what he has in store for us. Now, I'm not saying it's going to take 10 years. But in this next 10 years, as we move towards this, we need, as a church, to mature in our faith. And in order to mature in your faith, we all have to walk in the wilderness. I believe God is directing us. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to herd you like cattle into the wilderness. I'm, I'm at the front as a shepherd and I'm leading and calling our church. Will everyone come? Probably not. But I hope everyone comes. But I'm, I'm going in the wilderness as a shepherd first. And so, what does that wilderness look like? I've shared the last couple of weeks. It's, a thing, it's, our, it's our main uh, purpose of what we're doing. Now, we're, we're still going to do, you know, make disciples and uh, obviously and, and do outreach, share Jesus. But God wants us to give, invite, and connect. God wants us to give, give a tithe. God wants us to invite, invite friends, invite family. And God wants us to connect in a life group. I'm telling you what, I'm going to say that every week. And not only am I saying it up here, I'm going to say it in conversations, in all of our communications. And if I don't do that, I'm being a disobedient to what God the Father told me to do as a shepherd. And I can't do that. I just can't be disobedient. So, I am encouraging you I'm challenging you. I'm leading you. Will you follow? As I'm following Jesus. To give. Invite. Connect. Who are people in your life you need to invite? Who are people in your life you need to invite? You need to invite here to church. Invite to be part of a life group. If you're not involved in a life group, we've got life Start a life group. You know, I mean, we want, we want to give you the materials that, that can help you with that. So, give, invite, and connect. And so, I want to make sure that you understand the wilderness has a purpose. It's going to be scary. You will have a lot of questions. But that's fine. In, in our past, me and... Suzanne, our family, and our past wilderness experiences, God has shown that even in the middle of our doubts, if we just stay with the course, if we believe even in the middle of the doubt, that is when our faith grows the strongest.
to well, Pastor Frank, you know, I don't, I don't really have time or I'm, I'm a little scared to be part of a, a life group or, you know, you just, you, 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 you just got to do it, you know? You just got to, even through the doubt, even through the concerns, even through the fears, if you're just faithful, he is going to grow your faith. So, Pastor Frank, I don't have, I don't have the, 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 the money to tithe, you know? I can't afford to tithe. I, I would say this, you can't afford not to tithe. Yeah, I know it's scary. Everything doesn't line up, you know, in your head and, and the numbers and everything. Look, it's a different economy. <laughs> Just trusting God. He wants to increase your faith. So be faithful in obedience, even through the doubt, even through the fear, and God will grow your faith. So wilderness has a purpose. Wilderness also is a place of submission, a place of submission. You know, Jesus could have asked, why the wilderness? Why, God? But he didn't. Um, I mean, Jesus, I mean, the Holy, the Holy Spirit and the voice from heaven just, you know, it just said, this is the son of whom I'm well pleased. Well, if you're well pleased with me, then why are you sending me to the wilderness? Why are you sending me to the wilderness where I've got to just, I've got to starve for 40 days. I've got to face Satan. I've got to do all this stuff. Why are you doing this? But Jesus trusted. And we've got to do the same thing. And I believe one of the big reasons why God leads us in the wilderness is to get us ready for spiritual battle. The very first step in defeating the power of the enemy is submitting to the purpose of God. Submitting to the purpose of God. We see this in James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The wilderness is a place of submission. If you're not submitting to the will of God and the direction of God, you're not in the wilderness, uh, in, in, in the wilderness that he has led you in. Now, you might eventually be in, a, in, a, in another kind of wilderness based on your decisions that you make and maybe some disobedience. But when, when you are directed by God, look, I want you to do this. I want to grow in your faith. There is a moment of submission where we need to submit to God. And when we submit to God, as it says there in James, that's a first step to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit to God, therefore. So the wilderness is a place of submission. So wilderness is a purpose it's a place of submission. The third principle out of the four, the wilderness is a place of spiritual warfare. It's a place of spiritual warfare. It's really interesting that Mark, Mark doesn't really mention anything about Satan as, as the gospel of John and Luke talks about, but he mentions something about wild animals. It's very interesting. Wild animals. Why? Well, I believe this. Mark is showing that spiritual warfare can a lot of times have physical manifestations. 
It's not just spiritual battles. It's actually physical battles. When you decide to follow in what God has directed you to do, not only will you have spiritual battles, but you will have physical battles as well. Physical manifestations of that. For example, you could have people in your life. The enemy could send people in your life that can speak negative thoughts to you, that could be detrimental to you, that can spread things about you that is, that is untrue. Just like the animals. There are people in this world that act like animals. But just like animals, I mean, imagine Jesus is in the wilderness. I mean, there are scorpions, there's, there's venomous snakes out there, there's huge you know, creatures, and Jesus is out there by himself. He hasn't chosen any disciples. He doesn't have a bodyguard. He is by himself. And there he is, out there with all the wild animals. So, when you are in the wilderness, it is a place of spiritual warfare. When we did our fast, it was a not only was it spiritual warfare, it was physical warfare. <laughs> Some of the stories that you've shared, as I experience in my own fast, it's a physical manifestation of what can be going on in a spiritual level. And so when God leads you into the wilderness, meaning, again, if God leads you to do something to stretch your faith that sometimes just is not going to make sense. So he could stretch your faith. He can, he can make you a mature Christian. There is going to be spiritual battles. But when you submit to him, that's the first step. When you submit to him, and then it will prepare you for the spiritual battles that you will go through. I would imagine when, when people are baptized, these three people were baptized last week. Thoughts like, did, did you, are you really saved? Or did you just get wet? Those battles can, can come into a person's mind as they walk in obedience in Christ. And so, you've got to be ready. You've got to be prepared for spiritual battles. And you've got to be ready for the manifestations of those battles. So, his battles, I mean, the, the wilderness has a purpose. Okay? Has a purpose. To grow your faith. To draw you closer to God. The wilderness is where you meet God. Even Jesus. The wilderness is where you meet God. It has a purpose. And it's a place of submission. You have to submit. It's a place of spiritual warfare. And last, it's a place of provision. It's a place of provision. And even in verse 13... Of chapter 1, it says, the angels 
ministered to him. In the same way angels minister to Jesus, they can minister to us as well. We don't worship angels and we don't pray to angels, but they're, they're there to help us. We see this in Psalm 91. Verse 11 through 15. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in your hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Like Daniel in the lion's den. The angels shutting the mouth of the lions. Angels can minister to you. In ways you don't even know. The Holy Spirit can minister to you in ways you don't even know. In fact, in Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So, in the middle of your wilderness, just like with Jesus, the angels ministered to him. I believe and, and even the other gospels, we even see this. That the angels actually provided him food after his 40 days is over. But I believe one of the ways the angels pro- provided him is they shut the mouths of all of those wild animals. Because you know Satan wanted to use those wild animals to attack the physical body of Jesus. And so when you submit to God leading you into the wilderness. He's going to provide for you. He is. He's going to provide you with what you need. Even though it may be scary, there's a lot of questions. And so what Jesus experienced, God wants you to experience as well. So my question is for you today. Are you ready to submit and follow where Jesus could be leading you into doing something that you've never done before or maybe doing something more than you've done before? It could be God's calling you to fast once a week or fast one meal a day or to give up some things or to serve. Or it could be God is telling you, hey, I know you're giving this much. I need you to give this much. Or hey, you're not really giving at all. So I, I, I'm ready to do some things in your life that will just blow you away. And I can't do that if you don't submit. Because I'm ready to build your faith. I'm ready to build your faith. I'm ready to take you to the next level. And God's waiting on you. He is simply waiting on you. Whatever that wilderness looks like. And as your pastor, I just want to encourage you. And I'm praying for you. I said that last week. I'm going down the list and I'm praying for you, our families. That God would help you 
as he's leading us into a wilderness to experience God at a greater level we can ever imagine and to grow in our faith and our maturity as a church as we give, invite, and connect. And then whatever kind of other wilderness God is leading you down, I hope you share that with me so I can pray for you. Now, there are people here today. You're, you're kind of going through a wilderness that is a disruption. Maybe there's, you know, there, there's some things going on in your life. I know there's families that, that are celebrating anniversaries of loved ones who've gone, gone on. I know that there's some families in here who, you know, their job situation has changed. There's some, there's some heartache. There's some families about to go through some surgeries that's gonna set them back a little bit. You know, so I want us to make sure that we pray for all of those who are going through a wilderness of disruption. You find yourself in a wilderness and it just, you know, you're just there. And you need strength. You need the angels. You need the Holy Spirit just to minister to you and build you up. So I just want to have a, a, a season of prayer as we close out this, uh, this service. Everybody, head, head bowed, eyes closed, if you could, please. If you know of anybody in our church that is just going through a season a wilderness of loneliness, of just hurt, of despair, of just change. I want you to lift them up right now. Lift them up in prayer. And even somebody outside of our church, if you know people, just lift them up in prayer. And if you're going through a, a wilderness of, that's been caused by a disruption in your life, just tell God the Father, I, I, I trust in you. I trust in you to bring comfort, to bring peace. I trust in you to, to draw near to me, to bring healing. And if there's some here today, you feel like God is directing you into the wilderness to do something you've never done before. Just tell him right now, I, I'm, I'm scared, but I trust you. I have questions, but I trust you. I will submit to you. I will submit to you. Father God, as we encounter the wilderness, either through maybe bad decisions we've made or disruptions in our life or a direction from you. Lord, strengthen us. Draw near to us. For those who are being led in the wilderness by direction, even us as a church, I pray, Father, that you build our faith, 
that you build our trust in you, that you mature us, Father, and we will experience you in a greater way than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen.